Hello and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Gary Mackay and today we're rotating heavily for the Meaningless End of Season podcasts, keeping his place in the starting lineup after an impressive performance on his debut as Chris Doyle and making his debut today as the bilingual banderiero himself, Craig Williams. I'm sure I butchered that, Craig. I think you did pretty badly, yeah. <laughs> on the pod today, we'll be discussing competition in Scottish football, why transfer stories are much more straightforward in Spain, and I'll be asking the lads what they'll be getting Stephen Rangers manager Stephen Gerrard for his birthday. First up, the season's over and the transfer rumour mill hasn't quite cranked up yet, but Archie Knox has told Rangers that their recruitment has got to be, quote, top-notch this summer. Chris, we've seen the Celtic dominate the league for eight years in a row, three trebles on the spin. I'm going to hit you with some numbers here. Celtic's revenue for 2017-18, million. Rangers, 32.7 million. This is via Kieran Maguire on Twitter. Wage bill for Celtic, 2017-18, 59.3 million. Rangers, 24.1 million. We don't have the up-to-date figures for this season yet, but we can assume they'll be broadly in line. The question is, how can Rangers close that gap given the disparity in finances? Yeah, it's a huge disparity, isn't it? Um, it's going to be very difficult for them. Um, I think that Gerard has his work cut out even when he took the job last year how many players he brought in it seems like he's not really happy with a lot of them um, some of them may be going out and it'll be more the same this summer I think in terms of quite high turnover of players um, how does he close the gap I mean he's going to basically need to land himself a Dembele-esque player in terms of getting him for like half a million um, and basically turning them into a 20 million player in a season and a half. It's got to be something like that to close the gap because I know they, they'd put up a decent fight up until Christmas, but really um, Celtic were had a lot of injuries um, and I don't think it would have been as close um, really in the long run. So I'm not really sure how they close the gap. I think it's just they've they're not long up. For them top line, a centre still kind of gathering momentum under Gerrard, and I just don't see it really happening, say, this season. Um, does that mean Celtic get to 10 in a row? Uh, more than likely. Um, but yeah, there's, they've got their work cut out anyway, I think. But Craig, I mean, we all know that Rangers fans, they won't accept second best. Gerrard can't say, despite that disparity in resources, he can't say, well, second, if Celtic get 10 in a row, that's a disaster for Rangers, isn't it? It is, yeah, and that's why essentially the pressure is all on Gerard, you know, as a new fresh manager coming in. Uh, as going back to Chris's point, I do find it very difficult for Rangers to push on and match Celtic and take them right to the end of the season. And yeah, they need to really they've got a workout in the summer, as uh, your man said before, Archie Knox, sorry. They need to find a gem, you know, in the line of Alfredo Morelos, you know, coming in. That was a they need to focus on really getting their scouting done correctly and finding that half a million pound, one million pound player that's going to really come in, hit the ground running and uh, take take Rangers on, you know. And uh, they've got a lot of rebuilding to do. They need to ship a lot of dead weight. And I think that, that it's, it's, it's going to be a really, really difficult season. And as Archie Knox leaded to before, in uh, his comments, the, pre- the pressure between the old firm this season is just... A kind of powder keg, you know, it's going to, it's going to explode. Uh, that's all we want in Scottish football, I guess. But uh, for Rangers fans, you want you want your team competing right to the last game of the season. 
But is, how realistic is that, given what we've just spoken about, the huge uh, gap in financial power between the two clubs? Um, I'll take this one. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be so difficult for for them to do that. As I said, I don't see it happening in the summer. I mean, you could argue that maybe selling Morelos and then spreading that money throughout the team might actually benefit them better in the long run. Um, has his disciplinary record hurt his, in terms of the transfer fee they're going to get from? Should they cut their losses? I think there is an argument to be made that they could could just sell him and get maybe see if they get ten million for him, and then they'll be able to uh, reinvest that throughout the squad to try and get more of those players. Then further down the line, that you can sell on, um, which is basically what Celtic have done. Their profit and losses, if you're saying, are really good, is because they've brought players in and then sold them on for a lot more. That's not really happened with Rangers, so. I think they do need to start, you know, getting those those players in, um, and it may, it may be further down the line that they are reaping the benefits benefits for them. Yeah, that that is a million dollar question. Should they let Morelos go and try and reap the benefits from his transfer fee, or should they try and keep him, you know, another season or two seasons and get an inflated transfer fee and really take advantage of the fact that he's here and he's, you know, he's a guaranteed thirty goals a season, as we know, uh, what he did this season. The thing with Morelos is that his disciplinary record actually, you know, it hindered his transfer fee and the possibility that people are looking at him. So there's that kind of, you know, you look at it as a Rangers fan that maybe that's actually helped in the long run because you know he's going to stay. You know that these clubs that are fishing about for him might not be as interested because of that. So it's kind of it's the other end of the sword, I guess. But uh, personally, I would I would like to see Morelos stay at Rangers. I think Rangers have already got a player there that they know is going to get them their goals a season and really just try and focus in on his uh, disciplinary record, uh, especially in the, uh, the big games because that, that was a problem against against Celtic in the league or against Aberdeen. He either didn't perform or else he wasn't on the part to perform. So I think these games are obviously in any season, especially next season against Rangers, you need to win those, those old firm matches and Morelos needs to be on form and on the part to do that. So Rangers have got a player that's capable, we know that, they're capable that he's going to get you many goals this season, but you need them in the big games. And I can already hear, we're talking about football finances in Scotland, I can hear fans of the other 10 top flight clubs, they're screaming at their podcast listening device of choice to say, well, what about the gap between Rangers, Celtic and the rest? So I'm going to hit you with a few more numbers, it's a very number-heavy podcast today. Take some select other clubs, their revenue for the same period we talked about. Kilmarnock's 5.1 million, Motherwell 6.8 million, Aberdeen 15.4 million, Hibs just close to 10 million. We're talking about Celtic with a revenue of 100 million. Surely that kind of disparity just can't be good for the competitiveness of Scottish football? Of course it isn't, but you have to obviously look at it without Celtic, you know, Scottish football. Without Celtic and Rangers, Scottish football wouldn't be in the position where they are just now. And it wouldn't it wouldn't be the attractive prospect. They wouldn't get the TV revenues that come in, uh, and you obviously look at the Rangers and Celtic support that goes to away matches week in week out. The ticket revenue that must come from that is tremendous, you know. So there's there's the both sides of the coin, and that obviously Celtic and Rangers have so much uh, financial power against the other sides in the Scottish Premiership. But having them there is obviously a necessity, and I think I remember going back to. What was it even when like Rangers were back in 2012 playing against Queens Park at Hamden, they pulled in 30,000 there, and that what was that 100 times more than Queens Park would get any gate, and that that was their finances paid off for for three seasons. So obviously not an illustration for the Scottish Premiership, but having Rangers and Celtic there and having 
uh, them going to away grounds and bringing a big support definitely is a, a buffer, you know, for our, definitely helps the other teams in pulling up their finances. Well, that is definitely true, but then if you look at the gap between the television money now, the Premier League, which we all know is the biggest television deal in the world, has the second most equitable television deal in Europe. The top teams get uh, 140% of what the bottom teams get. In Scotland, the top two teams get 1,000... No, that's sorry, that's salary. The top two teams get 440% of what the bottom teams get. So, Chris, if we're talking about uh, television money and the, the money that Rangers help to bring in via that, surely the league being more competitive would make the television money more lucrative. Yes, it's. I think um, comparing it to England is like that's a dangerous game because in terms of their money, that's just so inflated how much they get for all those teams. Um, it is good that there's a new TV deal coming in, um, and obviously like attendances are going up for a lot of the sides. So I think there's positives to take from that, but as you say. Maybe the distribution of those TV games need to be um, sort of greater throughout the league. And you always see that the games that come on, um, I think BBC, are, I mean, they're doing good because they're like showing the championship games on Friday yep, night. Yep. That's a bonus. Um, but mostly for Sky Sports, you're like, it's a Sunday, Saturday afternoon kickoff. It's always going to be Celtic or Rangers. You would like to see more of the lesser teams, smaller teams um, shown in, on TV and getting that greater sort of um, the spread of the wealth a bit better, I'd say. Yeah. So there's been a lot of talk recently about the sort of super clubs in Europe. They want to break away and they want to form this super league where they're all just play each other. It'll be a close shop. I think we all think that's a terrible idea. And, you know, you can talk to Rangers and Celtic fans and they're understandably angry about this. You know, these are storied European clubs who risk being shut out but aren't they sort of talking out the other side of their face when you consider the gap between the top two in Scotland? It's 1,260% of the rest of the teams. You know, that's compared to 290% in the Premier League, 420% the Bundesliga, 470% in Serie A. Isn't it essentially a closed shop in Scotland in everything but name? Great. Yeah, it is, but that you can say the same for many different leagues in Europe. Do you know what I mean? You say the same for well, not to the same level. I've just read you the numbers. Of course, uh, not to the same level, but essentially, there's a lot of the Italian league or the Spanish league or the German league is only ever going to be won by what two or three teams. So, yeah, they're always going to be <clears throat> bigger teams, but mm. surely the the scale of the gap between the top two teams in Scotland and and the rest surely that's a, surely it's a hindrance to the league. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, Rangers and Celtic. Will we ever see a team outside of Rangers and Celtic win the Scottish Premiership in our lifetime? I wouldn't have thought so. Well, I mean, that's interesting considering there's. I mean, you never know what can happen. Like, if it's a Leicester City or something like you've seen that, like, it can happen. I would say you will, but I think alluding to the piece you wrote in Football Scotland a few months ago, um, you're saying that things are really only going to get worse um, in terms of this Premiership has been quite competitive uh, the past few seasons in terms of Aberdeen even pushed Celtic quite far um, Rangers since they've came back up but Rangers are probably just going to keep getting better every year so there's a chance that Celtic Rangers will just kind of separate themselves from the pack a wee bit um, Kilmarnock have even this season finished third where they sort of punching above their weight to get there so yeah you're right in terms of just as a spectacle um, a competitive league there is a good chance that it's going to get worse almost before it gets better. I think another thing you'll notice as well that that 
people maybe don't speak about as much. It's very obvious that although Rangers and Celtic are obviously distant, away in the distance ahead of their rivals in the Scottish Premiership, what also tends to happen a lot is that these teams will then swallow up the good Scottish players. So you'll maybe get a player that will do one season, two seasons, who'll do very well with the likes of Motherwell, with the likes of Hearts and Hibs, and instantly they're getting, you know, they have the the possibility of moving on a transfer to Rangers and Celtic. And obviously an example of that being Motherwell, uh, Jake Hayes having a really good season. He's not going to stay at Motherwell and, and try and get them to kick on a bit because Rangers and Celtic are eventually going to come in for one of them. So that again goes back to Chris's point about the disparity. It will just continue and continue between Rangers and Celtic and the rest of the Scottish teams because when a Scottish team, the likes of Motherwell, Hearts and Hibs, when they get a player that will that will kick them on and maybe give them that extra edge that they will try and get further ahead in the table and closer to Rangers and Celtic. The next season, inevitably, they'll end up at Rangers Absolutely. or Celtic. Yeah, exactly what you were going on about Motherwell. I mean, they just their team usually just gets gutted out like every year. I mean, Rangers or Celtic, when they have their big player and they're maybe looking, there's a bigger team, say, coming from, they can hold on to them for that bit longer. Whereas... And that in price maybe inflates, but with Jake Casey, even David Turnbull, anybody going to be surprised if he if he goes stay on our season? I'm not sure. So, I mean, that's just how do you keep replacing those players? And it's just so hard on them. I mean, Motherwell is just a good example, but it's plenty of the other teams. But they don't get to hold on to them and even get a good price for them. So, And I think that reflects itself in the Scottish press and just the support in general that Rangers and Celtic have that any good player in Scotland who doesn't play for the old firm he has a good game, he has five good games, Rangers and Celtic are watching him, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. It's definitely reflective of the reality in Scottish football about how much importance we give to Rangers and Celtic doing well as, you know, moving in towards Europe, they need the play, they need good players, they need the young Scottish players to go forward, so yeah, we'll definitely look at that. Okay, well I don't think we've solved the financial disparity, but I think we've had a good discussion <laughs> on it. So, if we move on, last night we had the All-English Europa League final, the thrilling amuse-bouche for next season's inevitable Kilmarnock v Aberdeen showdown. Arguably the star of the show, though, was friend of Football Scotland, pundit Daryl Curry, who managed to coax Aidan Hazard into admitting he'll leave Chelsea. Chris, does this prove that Scottish pundits can really compete with the European heavyweights? Definitely. I mean, Daryl Curry, obviously, he's kind of made his mark in Scottish football, doing really well with the BT team. I mean, um, but now, obviously, he's been used uh, with BT for the sort of uh, down south for the the Europa League. And yeah, his interview last night with um, with Hazard was really a breath of fresh air. Um, he coaxed him into sort of getting that question, that answer out of him that we all wanted to know about his future. And yeah, most a lot of a lot of reporters or, or journalists would have maybe have just asked him that one question. He kind of shrugs it off and then leaves it at that. But he kind of, respectfully though, just kind of pushed for it, um, which is what everyone wanted to know, um, managed to get it, get answer out of him. And yeah, I think he's been just basically a good ambassador for Scottish football. Yeah. Craig, I know Hazard's frank admission was a bit less of a surprise to you. You covered a lot of Spanish football, you speak Spanish, you've covered a lot of Mexican f- football stories involving Pedro Cachinha for Football Scotland. So how is the sort of whole transfer situation different in Spain? The thing that I took away most from my time over there was that that was lacking in Scottish football, I think, is that not not like the hazard situation that people will speak openly to journalists about their time at a club or when it's coming to an end, for example. It's that when a player decides then to leave a club, 
that forms a kind of natural circle where they are then given a press conference to speak to the, speak directly to the fans and obviously speak to the media and explain their decision uh, in part not only explain their decision but speak about like their memories and their best times at the club which normally results in a Spanish player or an Argentine player bursting out greeting and then what that, what that does is it cements his place in kind of folklore of the club and it, it kind of connects more their relationship to the fans so an example being you know Godin from uh, Atletico Madrid when he left a couple of weeks ago or when he announced his departure you know he was he was roaring and greeting he couldn't even get a word out and then you see the comments below like yes you're my man you'll always be in Atletico so player I think that would work really well in Scottish football the likes of Lee Wallace at Rangers and uh, imagine him giving a press conference you know and just explaining his time at the club and where he could even smooth over the, the, the humps, you know, or the reasons be- behind the departure. And I think that Lustig as well, it looks like he's leaving Celtic. So Celtic players would want to hear him speak about his time at the club and the reasons for his departure, rather than it be left to an Instagram post thanking him, saying hail, hail, and, and some other stuff, or uh, a club's, the club putting together a two-minute package. You know, I think there's something missing there that not only the fans deserve to hear about, but I think the players themselves as well. And you could see that, I think, with Hazard last night. He maybe took that opportunity where others wouldn't, just to kind of speak about it. You could see he was emotional, but uh, going back to what Chris said, Daryl Curry was able to kind of draw it out of him through his emotion. And I think it was a kind of perfect way to, for him to put into word rather than, you know, just all the, the talk and something coming out or like he's been spotted at Real yeah, Madrid's training camp. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? That That's the way social media is going now and journalism itself where you're looking at social media hints, you know, like Daniel Candias the other day liking some tweets about his former club. You know, you, f- footballers are people, they want to express themselves and speak about it but they're hindered by their clubs obviously. But And I think, especially in a Scottish perspective, what I felt when I was living in Spain is that Players deserve a send-off, you know. Even players that haven't been there for... I'm not saying players that are 10 years, 15 years. I remember David Beckham got his send-off and everyone took the mick out of him because he was in Real Madrid for three years and he couldn't even sing a word in Spanish And when he was leaving. But, uh, even even players that have made some sort of contribution at the club, I think, deserve in Scottish football to, to speak directly to the fans through the media and use the media as a device rather than the media trying to coax words or stories out of them. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, Curry deserves the credit, but Hazard was totally open and honest about it, and he's usually very upfront with the media. Um, doesn't give you that scripted kind of one word or a few words kind of answers from a football player. I think you always get something new from him, something different. Um, and I just think it's the overall kind of access to players in Scotland, the UK, and, and in football where it's like just a press conference um, or whatever. You don't have that kind of, get that insight maybe, having maybe you might in other sports or if it's um, maybe across in America or whatever like that. It seems like the, in Scotland and just football, it's kind of maybe hindered by the, the fact we don't have, like fans aren't given that insight or that sort of access to their, their star players and such. Craig, I just wanted to ask you very quickly as well. In Spain, I think it's a function of the employment law. All the players have release clauses. Now, is that a help or a hindrance? Does that mean that, you know, we were talking about financing Scotland the other day. Does that mean that Barcelona and Real Madrid can just buy all the players from any club they want? Or is it a helpful thing that the smaller clubs know, look, this is the fee, pay it or don't? 
it's a good thing, obviously, and from a cost perspective, because it protects your player and your investment, and it and it and it gives you, as a club, it just says to you, this is what our worth is on a player. Obviously, from a perspective of Barcelona and Real Madrid, that's normally very, very inflated, you know, to keep the sharks away, as it were, in the water. But for other clubs, yeah, definitely, it's a hindrance for for not being able to try and reach that ceiling of you know of payment to try and get someone in when. Barcelona and Madrid have it in contractual, have it in black and white on a bit of paper that if you don't reach that amount, not just a normal transfer fee, you know, it's like it's in black and white that we can't haggle with you. Whereas, I guess obviously transfer transfers that take place in Scotland, you know, there's a, there's there's much to and fro between you know putting in agreements and uh, everything else. But in in Spain, it's just yeah, you, it's you, just, re- you get it, you, you get it sorted that. there and then absolutely. Okay, and today is Stephen Gerrard's 39th birthday, so while he's nearly at the big 4 it's safe to say he's a long way from 55. Sorry about that, Rangers <laughs> fans. We obviously wish Stevie G many happy returns, so my question to you lads is, what would you get the Rangers boss for his birthday? We'll take shower mats, road salt, and any other slip-related gags as red. <laughs> well, I'm not sure what I'd actually get him, but in terms of maybe what he wants, um, I think... A striker. <laughs> maybe to keep Morelos but nah I think it, going into this transfer window I think it's a important year for Rangers not to, for them to put best, put forward the best challenge to stop nine in a row and um, I think Ryan Kent um, is a player that's very important for Rangers last season and I think maybe if they could get him on loan for another year that could go a long way Um and sort of stopping that. Um, so I think that would be something that he would want if it if got announced. So Chris is going to be wrapping I'm going up to go Ryan Kent. Yeah, Ryan Kent. Sending and him around Stephen Ryan Gerrard's Kent and a bow. Ryan I'm going Kent to go and for a bow. It. Um, I'm sure Rangers fans would also, I think they would they would get on board with that. Craig, what will you be sending around Stephen Gerrard's house wrapped up in a lovely little bow? I'm going to be really left field and weird here and I'm going to say that you should download every clip of every Rangers moment in history and put it onto some sort of microchip and then send it to him so he can swallow it and then just really get into his head what it means So you think with the, get... despite the players all wearing suits and the brown brogue, Stephen Gerrard he hasn't got enough inside the Rangers mentality you think that he needs to become part Rangers? Yeah, like a like a bionic man not, not that he needs to become it, I just mean that he needs to be aware of the importance next season is in Rangers So you'd like history. to see some sort of like Stephen Gerrard Terminator, part Gerrard, part Rangers, mm-hmm. and that and that is the way to stop Celtic getting to those ten titles in a row. I know, yeah, some, something that you know. I know he's like Liverpool. I know he, he knows all the history of Liverpool. He knows everything, and I know he's aware of the importance in stopping Celtic getting ten in a row. I just think the minute things, isn't it? Some something more just to push him over the line, whether that be a crash course and really what it means. Do you know what I mean to stop Celtic getting to those ten? Titles in a row, anything along the lines of that. I don't know why I came up with this, but just I don't know a highlights package and a microchip and say he didn't eat his food or something, just to push it over the line. A strange selection. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't think. You- <laughs> so what we've got here is we've got a kidnapping and something which defies medical yeah, science. But a kidnapping of Ryan Kent. You know what I mean? Well, uh, he's going to be happy with it, so isn't he? Well, I mean, uh, okay. Well, okay. So we've got a kidnapping. More than this. You We've know. got a kidnapping the abductee might be happy about and something that isn't medically possible. He needs like John Brown to sleep with him every night for a season, I think, in his bed just to, <laughs> just to whisper into his ear, you know, you need you need. Can John Brown points. whisper? 
<laughs> good question. <laughs> I, I think um, I think to be fair, going on that in terms of the point you're making, I think Jeddar gets it next year though. I think he does. Um, sure. He's been the way he's been going about this season is he's yeah. I think I think he gets it, and he's I don't I don't necessarily think he's going to do it, but I mean I don't think there's. I think still think he's the best person for the job next year because I think he's had a good first season. They've made progress, and I think he can build on it. But I might still come up short. But he's a good manager to have in place. I think going forward. Thanks for wrestling that back, Chris. That was going a little bit off. Yeah, the rails I, thought, at the end. I thought I'd bring it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's all from us at Football Scotland today. We'll be back tomorrow before four pm, just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me on at Gary Mackay, Chris on... By Chris Doyle. And Craig on... At Glasgow Mixtape. We'll be back tomorrow, but for now, we're going to leave you with something literally some of you have been requesting. Yes, it's Vladimir Romanov's frog poem in full. This is The Frog by Vladimir Romanov. The mountain road rumbles after the heavenly rains. The hills fill with gurgles and murmurs beneath the order of the earth's dome. A white stone lies in the bog, under a solitary reed. All puffed up, a frog croaks at the call of his restless mate. Longing to be with her, he puffs out his chest, to be number one in this boggy kingdom, and produce a dynasty of brave offspring, who will trumpet the glory of these places, a living symphony, above the ordered chaos of the earth, and the clock ticks, to mark my passing night.